Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. If you have your Bibles this morning, I want to uh, ask you to join me in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And... Um, I'm probably going to do a little bit more reading today, not only in our text, but in a few other places that I normally do. But in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 1, I want to begin reading verse 18, and um, I'm just going to ask you a question here in just a little bit, and I'm not asking you the question for my benefit. I want to ask you to ask yourself this question. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 18, for the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and I will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made the wisdom, has not God, has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? After that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. We're familiar with that last closing line. Many of you are. It, it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Amen. Another trusted translation of this passage of Scripture says this. Since God in his wisdom saw to it that the world would never know him through human wisdom, he has used our foolish preaching to save them that believe. Amen. Lord, I love you today and I thank you for the privilege of being in your presence this morning and I thank you for your word. Thank you for the word that we have already heard this morning in our first service and the praise and worship that we have experienced thus far today. And I'm asking you to let your anointing now touch the word and let that word find a resting place in our heart, a lodging place in our mind. In Jesus' name, amen. And you can be seated. I appreciate you being here today in the house of the Lord with us. You know, in the day that we live in, it's not uncommon for you to be able to find an online forum for almost any special interest. There's, there's someone who's already, they're way ahead, and uh, they already have these forums and these groups that are going. And, and uh, a couple of weeks ago, this great church presented um, my family and I with a nice black stone griddle for pastor appreciation. And, and so I, I made it a point to connect to a griddle owner's forum and uh, <laughs> and I've learned several tips and tricks on how to cook on it. I figured this thing out that if we don't slow down, I'm going to have to return it because I'm not going to be able to afford <laughs> to do all we've been doing the last few weeks if this keeps up because everything's been so good on it. 
but uh, been able to connect in this on this forum group, and man, they just can answer all your questions, and you don't have to fumble your way through that. And these forums, these type forums, have just become a, a way of life for many of us. If you're familiar with YouTube, then you know if you have a question and you go on there and you type it out, not only has someone thought about it, but they have, they've got a high-definition video made of how-to, and it doesn't matter if you're changing brakes on a farm all tractor or baking brownies, and somebody's already ahead of you. They've got it there, and so it's just a way of life, and so I appreciate, uh, I appreciate these things. I have for years belonged to a uh, minister's forum, a uh, minister's forum that was set up through our headquarters, the United Pentecostal Church, and uh, it's primarily a, a place for dialogue and, and encouragement and things of that nature. If you have a biblical question, it's a great uh, resource for you just to be able to talk to other ministers in this kind of format. And, uh, and, and so while it is primarily used for that, as long as I can remember, I, I don't know how many years I've been a part of this group, but as long as I can remember, there is a certain pastor that I have met as a result of being on this forum. I've met him in person at a couple of conferences. He pastors a church in Mississippi, and he posts the same question every Saturday. Every Saturday, he posts the same exact question. And so he just simply writes, what are you preaching tomorrow? And so there are several pastors or ministers, you know, they may just respond with their sermon title. And, uh, you know, he's a pastor, so he understands that, that most other pastors are spending their Saturday afternoon and evening if, if not preparing, they're certainly finalizing their message for Sunday. And uh, so when he posts that question, well, what are you preaching tomorrow? There are several ministers that will kind of post back and they'll maybe give him the sermon title and, and uh, maybe a couple of scriptures that they're going to use and they post that on the forum and it's kind of an interesting thing. In truth, it's just a simple question. But behind that question, there is a piercing reality because the question is, what are you preaching tomorrow? And if I could be transparent, there's been some very busy, busy weeks in my life and I found myself on Saturday when I read that question, I thought, you know, I better get around to answering that question. What am I going to preach tomorrow? I need to get a hold of the Lord here and, and clear some things on, uh, clear some things up. And so... On those Saturdays, whenever I'm already prepared, you know, when the Lord has just spoke to my heart during the week and I've been working on it a little bit here and there. And so on those certain Saturdays when he posts that question, what are, what are you going to preach tomorrow? What are you preaching tomorrow? Well, I'm ready. I mean, I could just post right back. I, I don't think I ever have, but I could post back my title and my scriptures and, and maybe an illustration along the way. But on those Saturdays, when I'm not quite clear as to what I'm going to preach, that question poses sometimes way more pressure on me than I really want. What are you preaching tomorrow? What are you preaching tomorrow? It reminds me that Sunday's coming. The clock is ticking in the background. The calendar is about at the stroke of midnight to change. And, and, uh, and, and so when Sunday comes, there's not just going to be the dawning of a new day. It's not just the day we call Sunday Sunday is going to bring it with it in our world, it's going to bring with it a sense of expectation. And I am thankful for the prodding, the prompting, what are you preaching tomorrow? 
in, I believe it was 2013, at our general conference in 2013, Brother Jerry Jones, who was then our general secretary, he was preaching a message and he was preaching a message about preaching. <laughs> and uh, he wrote a book, as a matter of fact, entitled, We Preach. And uh, Brother Jerry Jones is probably one of the most, uh, the, one of the greatest preachers of our time, for, for sure. Uh, a, a certain a wonderful a man of God used of the Lord. But among the many things that he said that were encouraging that message is that he began to quote some interesting statistics. And according to trusted polls, on any Sunday, there are more people in America that are listening to preaching than all of our Major League Baseball games or National League football games combined. And so while we can see stands that are filled and and people that, uh, you know, are, are per perhaps they are warming their hands over a different fire. What we really need to understand that in addition to that, there are more people listening or watching, somehow receiving the preaching of the word of God than those two events combined. And so if you were raised in church, you, you may remember the moment in your life whenever the preaching began to stir you, the preaching began to move you. And I, I don't want to say anything out of turn here today, but uh, sometimes I, when you're raised in church, I was raised in church, uh, when you're raised in church, sometimes you're just more worried about when church is going to get out and when the church is going to be over and when the service is going to end. And I can remember being in a service, being in services as a young man, and it just seemed like that the preacher was almost about to wind down, and you could just count on it. Somebody back in the back would say, Preach on. Preach on. And and you just kind of wanted to stand. I mean, I didn't dare have the courage, but you just wanted to stand and say, No, no. We're wanting to get out. And we're the I mean, us kids, we're wanting to get out in the the churchyard and we're wanting to play. We're wanting to run. We've got, we've got things to do. We've got frogs to catch. I mean, we've got stuff. We've got important, important things to do. But I can remember, uh, I'm not talking about a date or time, but I can remember when the preaching, it was no longer the thing that seemed to be in the way. It was no longer the thing that seemed to be keeping me from playing after church and and being with my friends, it was no longer the thing that just seemed to be standing between me and getting home and a little snack and going to bed. But all of a sudden, the preaching of the preacher, the authority of the word of God, even as a young man, it started stirring my heart. I can remember... I can remember specifically, I, I, I can remember one time in a revival in 1973 that Brother Lloyd Dunigan, Dunigan was preaching in our old white building and he was preaching a revival. I can remember the building was small so it wasn't hard to pack out that building but I can remember sitting in that building and he started talking about, uh, you go tell that old fox. And uh, he walked down and he, he started acting like I was the fox. He was just using me as an illustration and, and it wasn't just because I was a part of the sermon illustration, but I can remember the word of God stirring my heart and stirring my mind. I can remember when when I, I couldn't just play during church. I couldn't just play the whole time because something was reaching out to me. I feel the Holy Ghost in what I'm saying here today. You see, there comes a time that after a while, it's not just a man or a person with a mic. After a while, it's not somebody just raising their voice and declaring this is yay and that is nay, but somewhere the 
word of God starts moving and doing what God intended for it to do, choosing the foolishness of preaching to save them that are lost. And preaching is just one method that the Lord used to save us and to keep us saved. We have all been moved by the preaching of the word of God. I will tell you this past weekend, uh, we were in, uh, in, in services Friday night and Saturday at our annual prayer conference in Ocala. And as, and as Brother Kleindienst and the speakers begin to minister the word of the Lord, I've heard many of those texts taken and I've heard many of those subjects dealt with. But I'm gonna tell you, there was just a fresh anointing. I was sitting beside Brother Rogers yesterday afternoon as Brother Kleindienst began to preach and I couldn't help it. I just kept kind of hitting him on the knee. Every time he was making a point that was touching me, I guess I thought it was touching him. I, I just had to hit him on the knee, the things that were said because it was the preaching. It was the ministering of the word of God and it was just burrowing through weariness in your flesh. It was burrow, burrowing through fatigue in your mind. The word of God was touching. Amen, we have all been moved by preaching during the discourse of a message, something said that stirred us, something that was said that challenged our hearts to the core. Amen, I am so thankful for every preacher that's ever stood in a pulpit and declared the truth of God's word that just reminds us that God loves us. He encourages us and strengthens us. Amen, I, I was challenged by the word Friday night, challenged by the personal testimonies yesterday in, in and there were some things that he said. As a matter of fact, I've just brought one, just one quote from yesterday when he was talking about, uh, Brother Kleindienst was talking about the Lord being able to trust us enough to use us. And so I'm just gonna share, not my thought, but I'm just gonna share this thought with you about how that the Lord has gotta put us through some cer certain trials and, and we've got to walk through certain things in life, some things that may challenge us, some things that may try us and, and some things that may, even almost break us because he said the Lord has got to know that he can trust you with every aspect of where he's wanting to take you and how he's wanting to lead you and what he's wanting to do through you and so he said the Lord knew talking about the psalmist David he said the Lord knew early on that he could trust David with a sling and a stone because it was with a sling and a stone that he took out the lion and the bear he had already proven himself and so he said I know I can trust him to go to Israel to Israel's enemy I know I can trust him to walk I know that he will know how to sling the stone I know he will know how to meet the mark and how he will be able to take out the enemy the question is not could God trust David with a stone but he said he wanted to know if he could trust him with the song Amen. He had a proven track record of being able to be trusted with a stone. But you see, whenever he used the stone to take down the giant, it was going to be at that moment the choir would write a new verse of the song. They had been singing. Dave, Saul has killed his thousands. That was the song that they had been singing. But they wrote a new verse and said, Saul has killed his thousands, but David has killed his ten thousands. Amen. So he said the Lord knew he could trust him with a stone, but he He's got to find out, can I trust him with a song? I'm going to tell you, I wanted to just stand and say, thank you, Lord, for the preaching of the word. Thank you, Lord, for the baptism of the Holy Ghost upon a man's mind, his tongue, and his heart. Amen. I'm thankful for the preaching of the word.
the preaching of the word. So I've been asking and talking a lot about a certain pastor in a certain state posting and reminding all of us a part of that. What are you preaching tomorrow? He's talking about what are you preaching Sunday? He's asking this on Saturday, but I'm asking you today on this Sunday, what are you preaching tomorrow? What are you gonna preach tomorrow? And when you lay down tomorrow night, I wanna ask you again, what are you preaching the next day? What are you preaching in your next, in your next tomorrow? Amen, where will we find ourselves sadly in our day? It's, it's almost as though uh, that preaching has just become another form of entertainment. Preachers far and wide feel the pressure to get everything just right. And we do want our presentation to be just right. I do want our ministers to use good grammar. I, I do want our presentation to be as, as proper and, 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 and well presented just as well as we possibly can. I think that's important. Amen, I think that we should have a message that's palatable. Amen. I stopped yesterday on the way home and, and uh, I did what I hate to do, but I, I was, it was born of necessity yesterday. I had to go through a little drive through so I thought, well, I'll just get a few little uh, chicken bites or chicken nuggets. And I'm gonna tell you, there wasn't an ounce of flavor. Not an ounce of flavor. I just wanted to roll down the window and throw them out. I won't tell you what I really did because I just kept eating. <laughs> I was just that hungry. I needed nourishment. Amen, but I believe that I was just thinking just a little salt. How far, well, that would have gone so far, just a little bit of salt. And so I'm telling you that our messages need to be palatable. Just some season and a prayer, some season of consecration, some seasoning of concern. Amen, there's pressure. We want it. Amen, we want our message to be palatable. Amen, we want it to be something that people can understand. The Bible talks about those in the scripture that could make sense of the scripture. I don't want to send people home wondering what in the lightning just happened what in, what in the name of thunder just went on in the service I want them to understand I, I understand this now I, I got something in my heart but I want to tell you amen it hasn't always been that way that preaching was looked at at entertainment it wasn't always just looked at is this is just something to tickle my fancy or this is just something to make me feel better about myself you see the Old Testament preachers the Old Testament preachers, they, some of them lived what they preached. And so I want you to take a journey with me. If you're familiar with the book of Hosea, then you'll know the book is for the namesake of Hosea, the prophet. Hosea was a man of God and he, his, life, his life was completely bound up in the most literal way. His life was bound up in what he preached. His entire Life of ministry is what I'm talking about. His whole entire life of ministry was an ongoing sermon illustration. Now, if you've read your Bible and if you've read through this passage of Hosea, you know, I see some of you shaking your head. Yes, you know where I'm going with this. In Hosea chapter one and verse number two, the Bible says the beginning of the word of the Lord by Hosea. And the Lord said to Hosea, go take unto thee a wife of whoredoms, that means what it says. And the children of whoredoms, that means what it says. Of the land that hath committed great whoredom, that means what it says, departing from the Lord. So he went and took Gomer, the daughter of the blame, which conceived and bare him a son. 
And the Lord said unto him, to, to uh, Hosea, he said, I want you to name this son Jezreel for yet a little while and I will avenge the blood of Jezreel upon the house of Jehu and I will cause to cease the kingdom of the house of Israel. And it shall come to pass at that day that I will break the bow of Israel in the valley of Jezreel. And she conceived again, this wife of the whoredoms, she conceived again and bare a daughter. And the Bible said that, the, that God said unto him, call her name Laura Hama, for I will have no mercy upon the house of Israel, but I will utterly take them away. But I will have mercy upon the house of Judah, and I will save them by the Lord their God. And I will not save them by bow, nor by sword, nor by battle, by horses, nor by horsemen. Now when she had weaned Lo-Rehamah, she conceived and bare a son. And God said, call his name Loramai, for, for ye are not my people, and I will not be your God. I'm talking about a man who lived anything but an ordinary life. A man who had anything but an ordinary ministry. Every day that he lived, it was another reminder of his message. Each child reminded him of what God had laid on his heart. This was an elaborate live sermon illustration that went on his entire ministry life. It was to show Israel just how backslidden they were. Every time they saw Hosea, they didn't see him with a suit and tie and shiny shoes. Every time they saw him and they saw his wife on his arm, it reminded them of who they were. When they saw those three children in tow, it reminded them of who they were. Amen, he would not know what God felt like. Amen, he would not really, he was there to show, to show and to deliver a message to reveal the heartbeat of God. He was gonna preach from sadness. He was gonna preach from the vantage point of grief. He was gonna preach from the vantage point of a man who had lost his wife and a man who had suffered dearly in his family. His children were named according to God's judgment. Amen. The first child's name meant vengeance. The second child's name meant no mercy. And the third child's name said, not my people. You are not mine. I'm talking about the preaching. Amen. Every day Hosea gets up. He, he wasn't welcomed. He wasn't admired when he walked into the courthouse. Nobody really perked up and thought much about him when he walked into the restaurant because he was wearing his message. Are you with me today I'm asking you what are you preaching in the morning I'm asking you what are you preaching tomorrow wherever Hosea walked he went with a message it was with him he, he wore it of sorts it was a part and parcel of who he was then if we consider quickly Jeremiah, if we think about the old prophet Jeremiah, in Jeremiah 13 and chapter, chapter 13, verse number seven, Jeremiah was told to wear a sash or he was told to wear this, this portion of a garment, a girdle if you please. The Bible says in verse seven, then I went to Euphrates and digged and I took the girdle from the place where, it, where I had hid it and behold, the girdle was marred and it was profitable for nothing 
nothing. If I can go back just a moment, the Lord had told him to take this girdle and to take it off and to dig a hole and to bury it in the ground, to bury it in the mud, to bury it in the mire. And now the Lord spoke to him and said, go and dig that girdle up and take it out of the ground and it's gonna be soiled. It's gonna be marred. It's gonna be profitable for nothing. And the word of the Lord came into me saying, thus saith the Lord after this manner, am I gonna mar the pride of Judah and the great pride of Jerusalem? I want you to put it on. I want you to put it on, Jeremiah. I want them to see the mud and the mire. It was another living illustration. First, he wore that sash so that they could see that he was wearing a new garment. Amen. They saw it in its glory. They saw it in its splendor. And then the Lord said, now go buried in a hole and let it get mired and let it get muddy and dig it up again. And in this soil condition, he said, I want you to put it on and I want you to let them see and remind them that this is who you are. It was a living illustration. I'm asking you, what are you preaching tomorrow? Jeremiah wore what God was gonna do. It was a life sermon. And then when we think about Ezekiel, why, how could we talk about Old Testament prophets and how could we talk about Old Testament preachers that were asked of God to do some pretty bizarre things and not mention Ezekiel. Ezekiel four and one, the Bible says, thou also son of man, take thee a tile and lay it before thee and portray it in the city, even Jerusalem and lay siege against it and build a fort against it and cast a mount against it and set camp also against it and set battering rams against it round about. Moreover, take thou unto thee an iron pan and set it for a wall of iron between thee and the city and set thy face against it and it shall be besieged and thou shalt lay siege against it. This shall be a sign to the house of Israel. Lie thou also upon thy left side and lay the iniquity of the house of Israel upon it according to the number of the days that thou Thou shalt lie upon it, thou shalt bear their iniquity. For I have laid upon thee the years of their iniquity. According to the number of the days, 390, so shalt thou bear the iniquity of the house of Israel. And when thou hast accomplished them, lie again on thy right side, and thou shalt bear the iniquity of the house of Judah 40 days. I have appointed thee a day for each year. Therefore, Thou shalt set thy face toward the siege of Jerusalem, and thine arm against and, and thine arm shall be uncovered, for thou shalt prophesy against it. And behold, I will lay bands upon thee, and thou shalt not turn thee from one side to the other until thou until hast ended the days of thy siege. Amen. Here I know we kind of get lost in a lot of reading there, but if I can go back and summarize, the Lord said to Ezekiel, I want you to take a tile. That's what the scripture said. It was an unbaked brick, if you please or it was a, a malleable, pliable clay tablet. And on it, he said, Ezekiel, I want you to draw out. I want you to just sketch out the outline of the city of Jerusalem. He said, this is gonna be an object lesson. I want them to come see this. I want them to look at it. And on it, I want you to sketch out the city of Jerusalem. And then he said, set it on the ground. And, and it's kind of like, you know, when I was a little boy, I, I can remember having toy soldiers. 
Any, any children here, well, grown men that were children at one time that had, well, you were all children at one time, but that you had toy soldiers and you had kind of set up a little battleground. And, and so that's what, that's what Ezekiel's doing. He's kind of drawing this on this tile and, and he's doing, we're going we're gonna to play act here. And, and this is the siege that's coming against Jerusalem. He used various object lessons. He said, you can fortify the city so nobody can get in or out. He provided the battling rams and the, for the breaking down the gates and the walls and, and this of course is what was going to happen to Jerusalem when, Babylon, when the Babylonian army would come and siege this city. Are you following me? Amen. It was, it, was, it was a man that was called on to just say here is a sermon but it's a sermon illustration and it's not a message that's going to last 30 minutes or not a, not, this is not a 45 minute sermon but, but I want you to lay down on your side for 390 days and, and that's going to represent one thing and then when that's over on your other side for another another given number of days and that's gonna represent something else. Amen, it was Ezekiel, what are you preaching today? Amen, when they got up and they walked by, he was laying on his side. We know what Ezekiel's preaching today. He's laying there by this sketch of Jerusalem. He's laying there by this mock city of Jerusalem. This is what's coming to you. The Babylonians are coming and they're gonna take you captive. What are you preaching today? I say to this church, I say to this church, family present. I say to those that are joining us online, I ask you, what are you preaching tomorrow? What are you preaching tomorrow? I don't want, I don't want the world to wonder. I wonder, I don't want the world to wonder and think what our message is. It ought to be clear. It ought to be concise. Hallelujah. We didn't come here to entertain anybody today. We didn't come here to, because we think we're all the, this talent and we're all of that. No. We came because we've got a message. He said, I'm going to choose through the foolishness of preaching to save them that are lost. That's why yes we ought to pray for our Sunday school teachers and yes we ought to pray for our singers and we ought to pray for our musicians. We ought to pray for our staff. We ought to pray for our students but I'm going to tell you this morning don't forget to pray for the preacher and don't forget to pray for whoever's going to be breaking the word and breaking the bread that spiritual bread. Why? Because he chose the foolishness of preaching to save them. To save them that are lost. I'm going to tell you over and again in scripture you can read where while the preaching was going forth the word of God struck them and the Holy Ghost began to fall hallelujah 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 I'm going to tell you that while the preaching's been going on men and women have been divinely healed physically in their body while the preaching was going on amen God has healed brokenness in the heart and the spirit of people and, 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 and wounds that were inflicted that they didn't think they could get over. It was the foolishness of preaching that built a bridge between their heartache and their hurt and their disappointment and God righted them. Hallelujah. Oh, I'm going to say it again. Amen. I'm asking you, what are you preaching tomorrow? What's your sermon notes look like for in the morning? Amen. What's your sermon look like for Wednesday morning when you get to the job? What is your message? What's it going to sound like on Friday when they hear you? activity was going on in the life and ministry of Ezekiel. 
he wasn't saying a word, but everybody got the message. Amen. They knew that God had sent a prophet after prophet after prophet to rebuke idolatry and they had persisted in doing their own thing and now it was too late because Ezekiel's laying down, commanded to lay on the ground, facing the model that he constructed, the siege, the siege of Jerusalem. You think about that with me, would you? They walk out and Ezekiel's laying down. He's just looking. He's just looking at the little mock city of Jerusalem with all the things that are coming against it. He didn't have to say anything. Amen. All he had to do was look. Lance his eyes. That's all he had to do. It was a serious thing. They got the message. I mean, it was a symbolic act that told these Jewish exiles why the Lord was allowing this city to be ravaged and ruined. I've reached for you time and time and time again and you won't hear no one that I send you. Amen. They wouldn't hear Ezekiel. They wouldn't hear Ezekiel when he preached. So the Lord gave him an illustration. So I'm going to ask our musicians to come and while they're coming, I will bring this to a close. I, I, I'm thankful that the Lord has not thus far Thirty-nine years of preaching. Ever asked me to do some of the things he asked of Hosea, Jeremiah, and Ezekiel. I'm thankful for the the Spirit of God that moved upon Isaiah and Isaiah 61. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek has sent me to heal, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to captives and the opening of prison to them that are bound. I'm thankful for the message of Isaiah that, that prophetic utterance that went on to say to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all that mourn, to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord that he might be glorified. You see, Jesus went to Nazareth after being tempted of the devil in the wilderness. He went into the synagogue and, and he opened to that very passage of scripture. Am I right? And then he said, this day, this scripture is fulfilled in your ears. <laughs> The difference was huge. No longer did the preachers live out the doom and the destruction, but they were messengers of good news. They could point to hope, hope. And then this is what Paul said to the church at Corinth in 2 Corinthians 3 and 2, and this is what I say to you and I today. He said, ye are our epistle written in the heart, in our hearts, known and read of all men. So you may not have a minister's card in your 
wallet. You may not have a fellowship card. You may not be called to a pulpit ministry, but can I tell you, never doubt that we're all preaching. Epistles written in our hearts, known and read of all men. So when we walk into a place of business, we walk onto a, into our place of employment, understand one thing. What are you preaching tomorrow? Are we preaching mercy? Are we preaching hope? Amen. What are we preaching? I'll ask you to stand. I believe that when we walk in, we proclaim mercy and goodness and kindness. But you see, saying amen to somebody else's sermon, that's pretty easy. I'm not being unkind to my next comment here, but you didn't have to do one thing to prepare for this service today. You just drove here in faith. It would all work out. And then you get to decide whether or not you nod. You get to decide whether you smile or frown. You get to decide how many amens you're going to lob. I think that's probably a three amen sermon right there. We get to make those choices. But today the question is not what am I preaching? In this formal Sunday morning service. The real question is what are you preaching? What are you preaching when you leave here today? Amen. I believe with all of my heart that some of you are going to be preaching about healing. You're going to be sharing your testimony and what the Lord has done in your life. Some could preach a message of deliverance and you could tell a recent story of what the Lord has done and how he's moved and, and you were facing impossible odds but, but the Lord some could preach about gross darkness, seasons that you walk through, quietness. Heaven was like brass. You couldn't really get a word from the Lord, but you just kept walking, and then the light started to shine again, and how the Lord just brought you through that because he was trying to make sure he could trust you with the song and not just the stone. Others may preach about being lifted from a pit of despair, but I hope somebody's preaching about this Holy Ghost experience. And if the Lord did it for me, he can do it for you. Amen. Whether you plan to or not, whether you have a Bible under your arm or no, you're going to be preaching because you're an epistle written and known and read of all men. Amen. You're a sermon that's going to be known. And so never doubt that there's a prevailing question. It's not just a question that I get to read on Saturdays from a constant reminder, what are you preaching tomorrow? But it's what I'm asking you today to ask ourselves every day, what am I preaching tomorrow? Amen. Let's magnify the Lord. Can we do that? Let's praise Him together in Jesus' name. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. 
Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.